0: Good morning. Good to have everybody here this morning. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, then I want to ask you the question, what was your Thanksgiving like? What was your Thanksgiving like? I uh, happen to be from a Jewish background, as uh, most of you know. Uh, But my family is secular, which means they're not true believers. They don't uh, really believe that God is the Bible, as you would hope Jewish people would, as they were really God's people uh, in the Old Testament and uh, certainly have a full opportunity to come to Christ today as well. And yet, they're not believers. And uh, they don't uh, typically uh, think anyone at thanksgiving. Occasionally my father would do uh, something like, uh, does anyone have anything they're thankful for? Uh, ask it as a general question and people might say something, well I'm thankful for this or I'm thankful for that, but they're not even really thanking God, right? When we give thanks, ideally we should be giving thanks to someone, right? If you do something for me, hopefully I'll say "I thank you for what it is that you've done for me. And that's, uh, that's what we want to think about today. Uh, we'll look at uh, Psalm 107. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to, to the book of Psalms and find uh, Psalm 107. It says in the opening verse, verse 1, Psalm 107, 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he Is good. That's the cry of the psalmist, and four times he will add to that statement in this book. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord! You sense there's a burden there on the author's heart that people will give thanks for what it is that God has done for them. So that's what we want to think about this morning. And uh, the first question I want to ask is, why is it so important to give thanks? And when I say that, this is something preachers will often say, and uh, it's one of those things that's especially true for me in this message. While it seems like I'm speaking to you, (laughs) the truth, I'm mostly speaking to my own heart. I know that uh, in me there's a lack of thankfulness. There's a lack of thankfulness, which is not appropriate, and so if I speak with some vehemence, I hope that uh, you regard it as me speaking to my own lack of giving thanks in my life, and not uh, through any kind of perception that there is any kind of lack of thanksgiving in your heart. But of course, as uh, uh, the failings of my heart could reflect uh, others, then may the Lord bless uh, this word to you as well. Why should we give thanks? Well, the first reason we should give thanks is that God expects it. And we see it in this passage, right? Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Uh, If I uh, saw Matt uh, holding a a big pile of uh, boxes, you know, heading to the door, you know, and I rush to the door in front of Matt and I open it for him, you know, and Matt just kind of goes through there, you know, (laughs) looking the other way. You know, I, I might feel, you know, a little bit unappreciated, right? That would seem reasonable. Well, God feels the same way, right? And, and if we stop and think about it, God gives us everything that we have. In fact, he created us. So just to start with, for my own existence, right, I should give God thanks. If I'm happy, I'm alive at all. And, and granted, maybe there's someone not happy that they're alive. But if I'm happy, I'm alive at all, I should give thanks to God, because He's the one who created me. If, I, if, I'm, if there's anything in my life that makes me happy, whether it's my car or my house, uh, you know anything that I have, well, in some way it came from God, right? God created this entire universe. I should give thanks to God. For me to not give thanks to God is being unappreciative of of what God has done, and and God feels unappreciated, right? It's, it's uh, I'm not going to read it, but in Romans, uh, it's listed as one of the sins of mankind against God that they are unthankful, and uh, the case of of uh, Jesus. If you remember, he healed the ten lepers. And only one of the ten came and gave thanks. Jesus noticed. He says, where are the nine? Where are the nine? So God notices. God expects thanks. And he notices when we fail to give thanks. So That's the first reason we ought to give thanks. The second reason I have listed is it's really for our own good to give thanks. Uh, It says this in Ephesians 5. This is what we call the spirit-filled life. Do you want to have a spirit-filled life? Do you want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Enjoy the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, this is how, right? In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so if you want to have a Spirit-filled life, it has to involve giving thanks. Now why is giving thanks so important for the Spirit-filled lives? I, I, I thought of a couple of reasons. Now first of all, it's because God says so. But uh, a couple of other reasons. And, and we sang this. We said, count your blessing. I can walk here on Earth and think about all the things that are going wrong, wrong in my life. Uh, maybe uh, you know, I lost my job or I'm in some sort of financial trouble. Uh, maybe me or maybe one of my loved ones is, is sick. Um, or, or there could be other things that are going wrong in my life and I can just be thinking about those things. My heart is heavy. I'm sad have a gloomy face. That's not really walking in the spirit. Now, I mean, I can understand that. I can sympathize with that. That's the way I tend to be. But if I instead think about all the riches that are mine in Christ, everything that God has given to me in Christ, and I think I can think about these things instead. Now, the word count your blessing is not in the Bible. Giving thanks always for all things is in the Bible. And that is effectively what, how I will count my blessing. If I think of what God has given me and I thank him for it, well, if I thank him, I must be thinking of it, and it lifts up my eyes. And I think about the fact that I have every blessing, uh, in the heaven, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And as a result, joy fills my heart, right? I mean, that should be the natural outcome of giving thanks always in all things for what God has given me in Christ. I can think of my riches. Instead of thinking of my poverty, yes, it's true. There's a lot of things in this world that are not right and they're not good and they're not happy. But if instead I choose to think of all the good things that God has given me, then I can have genuine joy in my heart. Now, the other reason of why this helps us walking in the spirit is it reminds us of God's love for us. This is uh, something I've learned when I took a parenting class is that there are different love languages. Each of us may have different things in which we appreciate being loved. Uh, it may be uh, words of encouragement. Somebody is telling me, you know, comes to me after the message and encourages me. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, they're doing it out of love for me. Right? And I can, I can accept that, I can be encouraged. Uh, it could be touch. Some of us, it's through touch that we may uh, express our loves or feel that we are being loved. And one of the love languages is, is gifts, right? I can give a gift to my wife, and she'll see it as evidence that I love her, right? So it's not just the gifts, you know, she's so happy, she has this, you know, new rice cooker. It's like, whoa, my husband noticed. My husband cares. My husband loves me, right? That's what he tells her. Now, all the things that God has given us are really an act of love that God has taught us. That's why he gives us all the riches in Christ. It's because he loves us that much. And if I, if, I, if I spend time thinking about those by thanking him for what he's given me, then I realize not just what's mine, but how much it is that God loves me, right? And I can walk in the spirit-filled life. Crucial for us uh, to be giving God thanks for our own good, for all things that he's given to us. Now, another reason of why we should give God thanks, is uh, we have really this special opportunity uh, that others don't. Uh, if we continue in uh, Psalm 107, I read the first verse, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Now, this psalm was probably written mostly about the nation of Israel and uh, how they were under bondage to the enemy. And God has brought them out of bondage. And now they can give the redeemed of the Lord, can give him thanks. But it also applies to us. Uh, We also were under bondage to an enemy. Does anybody know who that is? Satan, right? And it says this in uh, Colossians chapter 4. But even if uh, Colossians, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. I'm sorry, I, I may have uh, missed some verse there. But, oh no, okay, it says here, the God of this age has blinded. There is a God of this age, and that's who Satan is. And his goal is to blind us and keep us from seeing the truth about God, about how much it is that God loves us and how much it is that God has given us. And because he is effective in blinding it, he's keeping people from receiving the gospel and seeing how much it is that God loves them. And as a result, people don't give thanks to God. They just, they're truly blinded, they're truly ignorant of the goodness of God. And as a result, they don't give God the thanks he deserves. Well, what happens? Christ has redeemed us. He took us from being under this enemy. He's opened our eyes to the goodness of God. And so now we are in this privileged place where we see the goodness of God and we can give God thanks. And finally, God can get the thanks he deserves. Why? Because we, the redeemed of the Lord, can say so. He has opened his eyes to see the truth of his his love for us, of his goodness, so that we can actually give thanks. Finally, there's someone who can thank God after ages and, uh, you know, Billions of people who will not give, give God the thanks he deserves. Does you and does me who can give God the thanks he deserves because he's opened our eyes to it. Okay, so just the three uh, good reasons, I hope, of why it's really uh, for our good, or, or really why we should give, give thanks to God. Now, having said that, I'd like to go ahead and read some more of Psalm 107, and uh, use it as a springboard to think of some of the blessings uh, of God that we have, which are reasons to give thanks for God. Now, I could have chosen anything. There's lots of places where God's blessings to us uh, are available. But we'll just go ahead and use this as a springboard. So let's keep reading in Psalm 107 and see what we can dig out of it as reasons of why we should be giving God thanks. Just opening our eyes a little bit, trying to lift up our eyes a little bit to see what it is that God has given us. So in in verse 4, Psalm 107, verse 4, it says, They wandered in the wilderness. In a desolate way, they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth by a right way that they might go to a city for habitation oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry with goodness so as i said this psalm probably chiefly applies to the nation of israel And uh, if you remember, the nation of Israel had their period of wandering in the wilderness, and uh, they had no food, they had no drinks, and God came, and in a miraculous way, he provided for them, and he led them to the land of Israel, where they finally had all the food they wanted to, a place to dwell in, and they were well satisfied. Now, uh, even that, so if we think about what God has given them, well, that's great. And, and, and most of us probably share in the same blessing. God has provided for our needs. We have food, we have clothing, we have shelter. Uh, God provided for us abundantly in a physical way. But that's kind of a limited provision. And uh, those who were of faith among them, the Bible says, were looking beyond that for another provision of God, uh, a city uh, which was a heavenly city. They realized that what God was providing for the nation of Israel was really temporary. Uh, maybe, you know, my, my clothes will last me for so long, my food will last me for so long, my house will last me for so long. This body will only last for so long. So all these earthly provisions that I received are of limited value, because they're only for a limited period of time. But God has prepared, as I said, this, this heavenly city. Jesus talks about uh, preparing a place for us and if uh, we were to read uh, some verses that actually were recited to us this morning in our worship meeting Jesus said this and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand Jesus gave you and me anyone who would trust in him eternal life our provision is eternal it's not limited uh, to to this world as was God's provision for the nation of Israel, it is eternal. God has given us us life that will last forever. We will be with Christ forever, and no one will snatch us out of his hand. Our, uh, Our provision from God is eternal. There is no limit for the time we have to be with God and enjoy everything that God has for us forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, And uh, just to to think of it a little bit, what does it mean to thank God for this thing? (coughs) We could say this. You could read this verse, uh, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And you can say, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that I will never perish. Thank you, Lord, that no one will ever snatch me out of your hand. But I will be with you. Forever, right? Second reason uh, why we can thank the Lord, second reason outlined for us here, uh, is in verses, starting at verse 10. It says, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men for he has broken the gates of bronze, and cut the bars of iron in two. So again, thinking about the nation of Israel, even though God led them to this good land, they often rebelled against the word of God. And as a result, he delivered them into bondage by other nations. Other nations ruled over them. And the rule of this other nation was harsh. They were unhappy. When uh, this nation was created, it was created through a war, what we might call the War of Independence. England would call it rebellion. (laughs) But uh, uh, Patrick Henry was one of the famous orators of the time. And he said, give me liberty or give me death. He wasn't willing to live any longer under what he called the tyranny of uh, the King of England, which I think translated to he didn't want to pay taxes to England. Um, and it's true, we don't want to be under bondage to others. We're thankful that we live in a, in a free country. We're thankful as believers that we can read our Bible and preach the gospel without being oppressed. And uh, it's right and good that we give thanks uh, to God just for that very fact alone. But uh, Jesus came to give us more than just that. Uh, he came uh, to deliver us from bondage. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, And verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. And this talks about the Lord Jesus coming into this earth and receiving a body like yours and like mine, that through death, that is the death of the cross, he, Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So it says that Jesus came into this world to deliver us from bondage. And what is this this bondage here? It refers to being under, perhaps, the power of of the devil. Uh, But it also talks about the fear of death. He came to deliver us from the power that the devil had over our lives, but it is a power that the devil had through fear of death. Most of what people do today is ultimately out of fear. I, uh, I work hard in my job because I'm afraid to lose my job. I'm kind to you as my friends because I don't want to lose you guys as friends. Uh, I save for my retirement because you know I'm, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I don't save enough. Uh, And all these things are ultimately done out of fear of one thing, and that is the fear of death. That one day I will die. And, uh, or or what might happen to me if I don't do this and I don't do that? What's going to happen to me? It's ultimately governed by this fear of death. Well, Jesus came and he died for me so that I don't have to suffer death. Now, my body will die physically, but then I go to be with the Lord, which is far better. In, In essence, he completely provides for all my needs so that I don't have to worry about what is going to happen to me. And instead of letting fear, even the fear of death rule over me, I can do things, I can stop thinking about myself, and I can do things for others. I can let love rule my life. I can let the righteousness, the holiness of God, rule my life. I can do, live a life that's trying to please God and trying to, to uh, do what's really good and what, what would be best for others instead of being concerned for myself because Christ has fully provided for me eternal life. I don't have to worry about myself. What's the worst that people can do to me? They can put this body to death. So And, and, and when they put this body to death, I go to be with Christ, which is far better. And as a result, I can live a life that's free from the fear of death. I don't need to let the fear of death or really anything in this world bother me, I can just really do what is the will of God uh, for my life. And, um, and I was saying this is very convicting <laughs> because I recognize that I still, in many ways, act out of fear instead of acting you know, out of love or acting uh, out of recognition that something uh, is God's will. And I can look back in time and I, I can look at the history of the church, and see how early believers were uh, willing to give away their fortunes, uh, take care of the sick and the wounded and the rejected of society, no matter what the consequence it will be for them. They were willing to be thrown into the uh, um, Colosseums and be uh, killed and consumed. By animals why because they didn't worry about their lives they didn't worry about what would happen to them they were going to be with christ which is far better so they were just busy spending their time doing the things that please god why because they possessed this gift that god has given them of eternal life they didn't care about this life they just wanted to do what pleased god nothing else mattered to them and uh, it's to the extent in which i have not possessed that gift of God, really the extent to which I haven't thanked God for this gift and truly appreciated it, that I'm allowing fear to still rule my life. And so there's ways for us to grow uh, in these blessings of God and really possessing them. And it could be that thanking God more for what he has done for me would help me possess uh, this truth more and uh, grow, grow in my service for God even more. Okay, uh, back to, back to uh, the book of Psalms, 107, uh, verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted, their souls abhorred all manner of food, and they grew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So here he talks about sicknesses uh, that comes upon us. And uh, perhaps it was referring to the time of Israel, where it seems that everybody in the land was sick, and Jesus was going around and healing everybody, right? It says he sent his word, and he healed them. And it says that Jesus, by virtue of his work, practically banished sickness and death from the land of Israel. And uh, it's true that sickness is a a great trouble for us in our lives. We say, uh, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Right? Because you may be a billionaire and have a wonderful house and, you know, horses and, and, and gold and all the things that people in this world desire. But if you're sick, you can't enjoy any of these things, right? And so we, we, we say that, that health really is the most important thing. Well, what we have in Christ is so much that even poor health can't take it away, um, In John chapter 4, we have the story of the Samaritan woman. And uh, Jesus comes to her and he asks her for water. And then she says, you know, how is it that you being a Jew ask water of me, a Samaritan woman? And then Jesus answers and he says this for her. In Luke 4.10, Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God... Again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, this woman had her well and she had her water and she thought they were of a significant value. But Jesus said to her, you know what? If someone comes to your well and he drinks from it, Great. He will thirst again. And that is what uh, this world has, all the things in this world that brings joy. Uh, this, this world also will say that they can count a blessing. I have a, uh, an uncle who is an unbeliever, and he had an accident. And uh, as a result, he was in some pain and lost some mobility of his neck. And I asked him about it, and he says, well, I'm counting my blessing." Because it could have been worse. I could have suffered uh, maybe uh, permanent paralysis. You know, I'm counting my blessing. Well, you can count your blessing in this world, but eventually you will run out of blessings. And you will find that the miseries that this world brings are greater than the blessings that this world has to offer. He who thirsts, who drinks of this water, will thirst again. This world does not have enough to satisfy you forever. But Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water, I shall give him. That water will become in him a fountain of water that springs up into everlasting life. Which means what? It's going to last forever. And what Jesus is talking about is the relationship we have with himself and how that relationship is enough to give us eternal joy. It's not limited for now. It's not limited for tomorrow. It's not limited for next year. But forever and ever, I will rejoice in Christ. The the hymnist said it this way. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness his mercy doth expand, and glory, glory dwelleth. In Emmanuel's land. We've just began to enjoy Christ, okay? There's a lot more of him than what we've tasted here. But what he's given us is enough for us to rejoice in forever. And for that we should give thanks. Finally, at least uh, in a reading this morning, and again, by no means this is designed to exhaust the wealth we have in in Christ, but in... uh, Psalm 107, continuing in verse 23, he talks about those who go down into the sea in ships, who do business on great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Now, Bill, in his commentary, suggests that this is speaking of Israel in the end times. They will go through the great tribulation and uh, God will carry them, if you would, through this storm and uh, they, will get, they will come to the end of themselves. As it says, their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. And why is God going to bring Israel through such tribulation? Because that is the only thing that will finally bring Israel to their knees. And they will finally say, as Jesus says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If the Lord will send anyone to save us, you know, Blessed be his name. And that is when Christ will come the second time and deliver Israel. And that is really their desired haven. What they don't realize is the tribulation that God has to bring them through before they can really be ready to receive receive him. Why? Because of their pride. That's why they rejected him the first time. They were not ready for him. And God has a work he has to do in the nation of Israel before they can really receive him. Well... You know, the bad news, even though this is something we ought to thank the Lord for, is he has to do that kind of works with us. We, nearly uh, everybody, but I especially think of us who are believers, go through trials in our lives. And you know what? When we go through the deep trials that God has for us, we experience the same. You know, our soul melts within us. It says in the scripture that, you know, we should count it all joy when we fall into various trials. You know, when somebody tells me that when I'm going through midst of a trial, do you know what I want to do? I want to slap them, <laughs> right? Because you know, my soul melts within me. I'm at my wits' end, you know, and I'm told I'm supposed to, you know, have have uh, you know, full joy or rejoice in that. And yet, the same way, just as God will use that to the good of Israel, God uses it for our good in our lives. It says in Romans 8.28, And we know, we know, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also did predestined to be, what? conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The same God who rules the storms of the sea, the same God who will bring Israel through tribulation is the same God that rules the winds of our lives. And yes, he brings us through trials, but he does all these things to conform us to the image of his son. If you have a piece of metal and you try to conform it into something, well, first of all, you're going to have a really hard time doing it, if you're only as strong as I am. Second of all, it'll probably break. right? You're not going to be able to conform it into whatever shape you have. The only way you can conform metal to its desired shape is by heating it up so that it either melts or comes close enough to its melting point that it becomes malleable and then you can shape it to whatever shape you want to in our lives. And we, as people who have our own will made in the image of God, the only way God can accomplish changes in our character to make us more like his son, at least here on earth, is through applying a certain measure of heat to our lives. Our our soul needs to melt within us. (laughs) We need to come to our wit's end before God can accomplish the work of changing our life. But you know what? We can rejoice because as a result, he brings us to our desired haven, which is what? To become more like his son. We want to be like his son, and that is the only way that he can do it, is by bringing trials into our lives. With that, uh, just uh, in closing, so if, if you have been redeemed... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Give thanks to God. Again, this was just a sample. There is an inexhaustible store of wealth in God's giving to us in Christ that we can thank God for. And if you do, it will lift you out of the mire of this world. And if you have not yet come into this good, if eternal life is not yours, If you have not yet attained to the riches who are in Christ, because you haven't yet received him, let me remind you in the words of John, chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That was the nation of Israel. But as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god if you have not received him yet what are you waiting for all the riches of god in christ are at your disposal if you would receive the son of god and bow the knee to him if you haven't done so would you do so today let us pray father We thank you for your love to us, for the riches that are ours in Christ. Lord, I need to confess that I do not thank you enough, not even close to enough, to what you deserve. And as a result, I often do walk in the mire of the streets of this world. Lord, we pray that you help us lift up our eyes to the riches that are ours in Christ. Help us open our mouth in thanksgiving to him, that we might also enjoy all these blessings. And if there is anyone here today who has not yet received him and all the blessings he can bring into their lives, we pray that you might work in their hearts. If you would, Lord, even send trials to them to bring them to the ends of their wits, that they will finally bow the knee to you and then receive all the blessings, all the love that you have for them. For we know, Lord, you only bring these trials out of love. And if there is any in our midst that is going through such trials, Lord, we pray that you might preserve them and bring them to the rest and quiet, to their desired haven, that they might be able to better praise you and give you thanks. For we ask it all in the name of the only worthy one, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.